with information on the latest developments in assistive technology and initiatives to RPH in Sydney brings you AbleQuest. Hello, I'm Elaine Jontek. David Woodbridge, who has been a regular guest on AbleQuest for 10 years now, is an excellent source of knowledge on the latest in assistive technology for people with no or low vision. David has worked as an adaptive technology consultant at Vision Australia for over 25 years. In his role, David assesses, recommends and installs assistive technology solutions for clients. He also researches and evaluates new and upcoming technology that can help blind and visually impaired people be more independent. Barbara Sullivan spoke to David to hear about exciting new technology that enhances the lives of people with vision impairment, as well as new accessible features on Apple devices. In fact, he had so much to tell us, the conversation is divided into two parts. Hello, David. It's great to have you back on AbleQuest. There's so much that seems to be going on in assistive technology for people with low vision or who are blind. Could we start talking about what's happening at HumanWeb? They've got a couple of new things there that are really interesting. The new Stellatrek GPS standalone unit from HumanWeb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a very simple, straightforward GPS unit. So it really doesn't have that many buttons on a device. And one of the first things I like about it is that it's not dependent on your smartphone. So it's a completely standalone unit. So that's number one. Number two, it's got a very simple interface, so you're really talking about up, down, left and right, select and a few other buttons. And if I guess if you're sort of used to the, the previous GPS from HumanWare, which was the Big Trek, it's sort of got a very similar feel to it. But the other thing I like about it is that it's got this sort of new technology in a way that your smartphone's got. So what that really means is that when you're in the city you know, in between really tall buildings that are shattering the GPS signal. Right. The wave, the wavelength, we want to call it, can be picked up by the unit. So you don't get, you know, no satellite connection, no nothing. So from that point of view, it's actually really good. So it's one of those things that I've been waiting for a long time because I don't like the fact that, you know, when you're in the city, you can't get a proper GPS signal. Well, this one actually does that now. So it's one of those little devices that I think is great because I hate navigating on my smartphone because if I navigate 60 yeah. kilometres with my phone, my battery's half dead. Exactly. Whereas, <laughs> this is, this <laughs> is a much safer it. option, isn't it? Exactly. It doesn't cost data and it just simply talks to the GPS signal. You've got the map in the unit and off you go. From, so from that point of view, it sort of gives peace of mind because it's a custom software for blind or low vision. It's got a few little extra things about helping you put points of interest in, do offline navigation, as in off-the-road type stuff. So all around, it's just a really cool, up-to-date unit. So it's, you know, I, I often try and go to mainstream stuff only, but this one really does have its place. And I gather it can scan texts, such as street signs. Yeah, what it does at the moment, it really does identify the actual address that you're coming up to. So you can make sure that, you know, when you're in front of number 11, so to speak, then you're in front of number 11. So it it does have a camera. The new software that I don't know if it's come out yet is going to do some more sort of OCR type stuff and do some other functions. Wait and see, and I'm sure there's going to be more functionality coming out for it. 
Great. Now, Humanware also have got another one you've been on top of, the Victoria Reader Stream, uh, latest generation. Yes, the Victoria Reader Stream, this is the third generation. So I normally say to people, look, if you've got a second generation already, you probably really don't need third generation. But the main thing that the third generation does is it gives you better uh, connection points. So the previous versions gave you the you know the, the boring old micro USB connected with the two points on the on the connector, which I never liked. But this one now uses USB C, which is actually much nicer. The software in it's much more up to date and much more robust. It's got a better microphone in it. And the other really nice little nifty thing in it is that it's got a little uh, little rubber dust cover over the SD card. So if it's in your pocket or you're out and about in the windy area and you're, and you're a bit nervous about dust getting into the SD card slot, which is previously exposed, yeah. then this has got a nice little rubber flap that covers that up. But it's a very similar layout to the Victor Stream second generation. So if you know how to use a second gen one, then you'll know how to use a third generation. It's probably slightly smaller. I guess the other thing that I'm a little bit concerned with is that you can't change the battery in it. So with the previous versions, you could change the battery. This one, you can't. But on the other hand, the battery, gives, this one gives you, I think it's 18 hours of playback time, which is quite a lot. So, And it, the other thing too is it does feel like a completely new unit, which is, but it's one of those things that you think, oh, this is actually really good quality. So if you don't have a Vector Reader stream already or you have a first-gen one, then mm. I would say definitely it's worthwhile upgrading to the third-generation one. So while we're on assistive devices that let you listen to media content, what mm-hmm. about this, the new Sense Player from Pacific Vision? Yeah, this is actually quite an interesting one. So this is, for all intents and purposes, in some ways, very much like the Victor Reader stream. So you can do things like listen to Daisy books, uh, you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to internet radio, you can make recordings, all that sort of good stuff. Uh, what separates this one in a way from the Victor Reader stream is that it has two stereo speakers, so one of, one of each end if you played in landscape mode rather than right way up or in what we call portrait mode. They sound really nice. It's got two very good, good microphones for recording, which is fantastic. But the two things that make it stand out for me, it's got a bit of an FM radio in it, which I absolutely love. Any device that's got an FM radio in it, I love, because I think in emergency situations, if you've got some device that can pick up standard FM radio, then you're in a very, very good, safe environment. And secondly, you can also use it as a keyboard to your smartphone, to whether that's an iPhone or an Android phone. You can actually use the keypad on the Sense player to navigate and input text into, like I said, your iPhone or your Android phone if you're using voiceover on the iPhone or or talkback on Android. So it gives a little bit more functionality than what the Victor Reader Stream is. But the, the main thing is, I guess the Victor Reader Stream is for somebody who just wants to use something and not have all the bells and whistles and make breakfast in the morning, whereas this thing doesn't have bells and whistles and make breakfast in the morning. So it's a lot more advanced. <laughs> and it's, it's it's a people that wants, you know, an advanced daisy player with the extras, 
Whereas the Victor Redis Germans are a good, standard, solid player that's been around for a long time. Moving to phones, mobile phones, now there's a bit going on there. What is the Blind Shell Classic 2? And you say that it continues to add apps. Can you talk about this? Yeah, so that's a classic traditional phone. What I mean by that is it's got a non-touch screen at the top and it's got this real physical keyboard. So, you know, one, two, three on the first row, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then a bottom zero, and then star on the left and hash on the right. And then above that, you've got a group of function keys. So people that go back in the day, say the late 90s and early 2000s, it almost feels like the traditional old Nokia phone. And what they've done with it is this thing's running Android, but what comes up with is this menu of applications, and that's why it's called Blind Shell, because the actual application that's coming up is a shell for blind people running on Android. And it's a menu that you can choose from. So in that menu, you've got all these different types of programs, including messages, phone calls, contacts. And then you've got the apps. So by default, it comes with a big, well, not a big one, but let's say about 45 different apps in its own app store because it it can't run Android apps specifically. It runs its own customer apps. But you've got things like a web browser, you've got internet radio, you've also got a basic GPS unit. It, It can run Audible, so it's in the Audible bookstore. You've got uh, colour identification, optical character recognition, colour detection and so on. So what they keep doing every couple of months, they keep releasing updates either to the software that's driving the phone or to new apps. So mm-hmm. I think earlier this year they released Zoom, as in the Zoom Us video platform, mm-hmm. uh, to run on that particular phone and some, some more games and so on. So as they keep adding more functionality, it really is turning into a very solid, simple-based phone that's easier to navigate for blind and low vision. It not only just talks, but that the text that appears on the screen is also in large print. I, I right. guess it sort of fits into that area where the people that don't want to use a smartphone because of the touchscreen and gestures, this is a nice basic phone that you can simply use up and down to navigate okay to select an option and the back button to go back to the previous option. Right. Talking of other phones, the touchscreen phones, uh, iPhone Mm. 14. What's the latest that's happening with iPhone and this emergency satellite SOS? That's right. So I think in about January this year, everything sort of runs into another after a while. What happened is the satellite SOS basically means Originally in America, if you're in an emergency situation and you were out of sight of cellular range, you could point your phone and get access to the closest satellite and then via text messaging, you could contact a relay emergency system to get assistance, which by which you could send your GPS location, your medical emergency, what sort of hazard or danger you're in and so on. So that's now available in Australia. So what happened is you can start up the emergency SOS, which will kick in. If it doesn't find you can contact the satellite. You point your phone and it says, yes, you're out of satellite. Please start sending your messages. And because you're literally sending it via satellite, it'll communicate every 10 to 12 seconds. And like I said, it's basic information, you know, GPS, Mm. location, by default, 
this is my status, you know, I've just had a car accident, I can't move or whatever else it might be, can you send fire an ambulance? And that's done by a trained relay officer that's tied to triple zero. So, yeah, it's a really, really, really good service that's now available in Australia. The other thing with the iPhone 14 is, remember I said it had that better scanning technology that the Stellar Trek had? Yep. Well, that's what's also in the iPhone 14. So you've got, you've got better satellite communication as well. What else is happening with iPhone? Well, at the moment, we've got the whole iOS 17 beta series going on, which has started about in early June. And we won't see it as consumers until September. But one of the, the two interesting things in that blind and low vision people in particular is one of them is called point to speak. So if you point the camera at a touch screen, the camera takes this picture of the actual screen and then when you point your finger at the screen, because your finger's blocking a button, mm-hmm. the software knows that that's an active button that you're about to touch and it tells you the name of the button. So theoretically, you could use any touchscreen device that you could basically point to, it speaks to the name of the button, and then you can just tap your finger on the screen. And it really does work. And that's based on artificial intelligence because the software is deciding that because it can't see the button that your finger's obscuring, that's the button that you're going to be using. So I've tried it on my, my touch coffee machine, yeah. and it pretty much works really nicely. So that's number one. The number two one, I guess it's not so much for blind people, but it's for people that for some reason or another can't talk on the telephone but can hear well enough on the phone call. And it's called live speak. So what you can literally do is, Either have preset phrases or you can type in on your keyboard and then when you hit enter, what you've just typed in gets sent to the caller with voice output. So you could say, hi, I'm David. I'm using a text-to-speech to talk to you because I can't speak using my voice. Something like, please be patient while I communicate to you by typing on the keyboard. And I think that's actually pretty amazing. That was part one of a conversation with assistive technology expert David Woodbridge. Part two will air on our next AbleQuest in two weeks. You have just been listening to AbleQuest, a program that looks at developments in assistive technology and initiatives. From Elaine Shontek and Barbara Sullivan, thank you for listening and goodbye till next program.